uh, I, I have to say I'm not a man who prays well at 2 o'clock in the morning. But Pastor JJ was very generous and, and uh, he allowed us to use this space. And their heart was really to pray for Bellingham and the surrounding area. But I want to share what the, the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. And uh, the title of my message this morning is God's Aching Heart. And I'm going to share uh, just in a little while. I'm the, the director at the Light of the World Prayer Center here in Bellingham. And just to say, you know, what we do is that we have roughly about 35 hours of prayer at the prayer center. It's non-denominational, so please come and join us. We have one of our intercessors here, Andy, and uh, we pray about all kinds of things. So, for example, on a Friday, we pray for the poor. And as part of that, uh, we do uh, the, the, the group that comes in, they do homeless outreach on a Tuesday night downtown here. And I've been part of that for several uh, times as well. But we'll pray for Israel. We'll pray for revival. We'll pray for the next generation. On Tuesday nights, we actually go out into the community and we pray around the schools so basically what you have, if you imagine, you kind of got the, the Light of the World Prayer Center. There's the banner. We have the in-house prayer stuff, what we do in-house. And that's about 35 hours a week. And anyone can come to that. And we also do a lot of stuff in the community as well. And we're out and about. Um, we meet a lot of people, a lot of different churches. This is my uh, sixth church I've been in over summertime. And, uh, and it's just wonderful to see the different churches and encourage them in prayer. All right, so that's a little bit about what I do. But this message I want to share that with you this morning, this is one that the Lord has laid on my heart, and it's God's aching heart. And so I'm going to read from John 4, and I'm going to read from verse 4 to, to 30, and then 39 to 42. And it's uh, the, what Jesus has this encounter with the, the woman of Samaria, and he meets her at a well. It's a familiar passage to some of you, but I really want to share, and after I've read it, I'm going to pray. So John 4 and verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? And drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I, I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, 
a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world, Lord Jesus Christ. Just give you the glory and the honor and the praise this morning. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son who came to die for the sins of mankind on the cross at Calvary, who was laid in a tomb and on the third day, Father, that you raised him again to life, the risen, resurrected Savior of the world. And we exalt your holy name this morning. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the majesty and the might and the power and the blessing this morning. And now, Father, I ask for your anointing of your Holy Spirit upon me just now. God, you know I'm tired. You know I've been on my knees before you. And I need your help, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, will you speak through me this morning? And I pray for the congregation here. Will you open up their hearts, open up their minds? to the challenge and to the encouragement of Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, we I just want to share, this passage is so unusual and so counter-cultural. And I'm just going to share a few things that are going on here. And so the first thing that we notice there is that when Jesus comes to this well... He's on his own, right? And he comes there, and there's a, there's a woman there. And she's a Samaritan. And he stops, and he asks her for a drink. And she's kind of confused about this, and she goes, hold on a second, Jesus, right? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. And by the way, didn't you know that Jews and Samaritans don't get on? In fact... It's actually known that if a Jew was to come up to Samaria, he would actually walk around it rather than go through it. And she knows that there's been uh, historical uh, adversity there. There's history there, right? It's a bit like the Scots and the English. You know what I mean? And she says, yeah, but, you know, you shouldn't be speaking to me. And so that's kind of unusual. And another thing that's unusual as well is that she says, you know, you're a man, and I'm a woman. Now, we wouldn't think anything of that today. In our culture and in our society, that's like, yeah, so what, right? But in that culture back then and in that society, that just didn't happen. There was, there was definitely uh, uh, social interactions for women, and there was social interactions for men. Let me give you an example of that. It was only the Jewish boys that got education, Right, the Jewish girls stayed at home and helped mom. Right, the Jewish boys would go and learn all the Old Testament scriptures. The girls didn't, and so you had, a, a, if you like, societal norms whereby there was the things that were acceptable for men and things that were acceptable to women, but the men and the women didn't really mix. 
and especially because Jesus was a rabbi, and let's be honest, she's a, a sexually immoral woman. Okay, that's a big deal. They that wouldn't have happened normally. You see, that uh, for a Jewish rabbi who was a respected man in the community to be talking with a sexually immoral woman just wouldn't happen. And you kind of get an idea of that because the disciples come back and they go, he's talking to a woman. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you understand our customs? This is what they're thinking. It kind of fries their mind, right? And yet, there's something interesting here. Because let's remember who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, right? He is the Alpha and Omega. And he holds all time in his hands. There's no chance encounter here. No, he wanted to be there at this time to minister to this woman. God chose that time. You see, it's the Father's heart to minister to those who are brokenhearted. He had all the time in the world. A couple of other things here. You'll notice that this woman is at the well by herself. And she's there. My Bible says it's at the sixth hour. Okay, well, I've got a note here, and it says the sixth hour was six o'clock in the evening. Like, who goes to draw water at six o'clock at night? That's when the bandits come out, right? That's a terrible time to go and draw water, right? If you want to draw water, this is what you do. You go first thing during the day, and you go with other women. Scripture says that. If you remember, uh, when Moses was coming, uh, wandering around in the desert after he fled Egypt, it's back in uh, Exodus, Exodus 2 and 16, and uh, he comes up to this well, and the daughters of Midian were at the well. They were there together, okay? And there's two reasons why they did that. One was for protection, yes, so they wouldn't get harmed. But the other was for like social interaction, right? So that they could catch up. It was a community meeting for women. So women don't go to the well alone, and especially not at six o'clock in the evening. In fact, even today, if you were to go out into the Middle East, that's a common practice where women go to draw the water in groups in the morning. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is speculation on my part. You know why I think she was there alone? She doesn't want to hear this. She doesn't want to hear the gossip. Oh, you better watch out for her. She might steal your man this week. You know who she's with now? By the way, she's not even married. She doesn't want to see the finger pointing. She doesn't want to see that look of judgment. That's why she's there alone. If we're honest as Christians, we can be like that. I know I can. Even as a pastor. I can have a very judgmental heart. No, she's alone, and she's there because she's desperate, and she has no friends, and she's in pain, and she's suffering. That's why she's there alone. You know, as a pastor, I've dealt over the years... um, I used to be a senior pastor over in Pullman before I took this this position at the Light of the World Prayer Center. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, you deal a lot with family dysfunction. You know, and I've led, unfortunately, I've led couples through uh, divorce 
And it is heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Sharon and I, Sharon's my wife, and uh, we had a, a good friend of ours from our old church here in the last two weeks and who's going through a divorce at the moment. Um, our husband, unfortunately, had uh, they discovered a, a, an eight-year pornographic addiction, and I don't think the marriage is going to survive. Please pray for that. But the fallout on the kids is awful, right? It's awful. Let me just tell you, you know, from uh, being a pastor, like when you, when you go take somebody through that trauma, and that's what it is, and it's not an overnight thing. It goes on for decades, by the way. And it doesn't just affect the people who are involved in the marriage. It affects a lot of people, and especially the kids. And that's just one instance, and you're talking pain, brokenness. And yet here with this Samaritan woman at the well, and she's had five husbands, and she's on her sixth husband, as well as her sixth one, and she's not, that's not even her husband yet, right? That, let me tell you something. That is trauma and brokenness right there. That's pain on a scale, even by today's standards. I'm surprised the woman's even alive, honestly. I really am. You know, if I was counseling in that situation, I'd be thinking, man, is she suicidal? She's desperate. You know what? This is a father's heart right here. And I love this about this passage. You see, for Jesus to avoid that situation, nobody would have batted an eyelid. He had every reason not to be in that situation. If he'd gone and said, oh, look, yeah, we're not going to go through Samaria, everyone, all the Jews would have said, all his disciples said, yeah, amen, we don't want to go through either, Jesus. They're Samaritans, right? No, he's a man. She's a woman. He's a rabbi. She's a sexually immoral lady, Right? It's the whole thing doesn't make any sense at all other than he chose to be there at this time because the Father's heart is aching for the brokenhearted and he knows how much pain and suffering that this woman's in and the Father's heart wants to come in and wants to minister to that. You see, that's his heart this morning. His heart hasn't changed at all, right? It hasn't. And you and I, I want to encourage you this morning is that um, the Father's heart is exactly the same today. You see, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Perhaps you're here and you're brokenhearted. Perhaps you're here and you're in trauma and you can totally relate to what this woman of the well is going through. Perhaps you're here and you feel like you've got to fight it on your own. And I want to encourage you this, that the Father loves you this morning, that you are special in His sight. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Him, then the promise in Scripture is true. And the promise is this, is that never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Yeah, I was talking with a dear brother the other day, a good friend of mine, and he was telling me a little bit about his testimony. And long story short, both his kids ended up committing suicide, right? Unbelievable trauma. And there was one night, and the guy's just on his knees, and he's weeping, and he's weeping, and he hasn't got, and he weeps so much, he hasn't got any more tears left, right? And as we say in Scotland, he's gutted like a fish. He's got nothing left, right? And he's still weeping. And you know what he said to me? He says, Bill, suddenly I felt this arm around me. He says, I knew it was the Lord. And you know what, Bill? He was weeping with me. He was weeping with me. He was in that situation right there. The Lord was there because he loves us, because he created us. And so you have this situation here, whereby, and let, let's be honest, you know, Jesus calls her out. He says, yeah, by the way, you've had 
five husbands. He knew about her sin. He knew about her lifestyle. He knew exactly where she'd been. He knew who she'd been with. He's God, right? He knows everything about us. And does he spurn her in any way? Does he reject her in any way? No, he doesn't. He makes a point. He chooses to get involved in the mess of humanity. It's a choice. God chose to be there. Let me share, I want to share just a a couple of examples with you. Uh, The Lord laid it on my heart and to to go and pray over the four corners of of Washington State because we really need it. You know, we need God back in this country. His name needs to be exalted and revered and feared again. But anyway, you know, we were praying over, um, uh, and we're in the southeast corner, so I arranged uh, some prayer intercessors. We were going to go and pray over the southeast corner. And one of the things we do is, like, we have a, a, a stake, and it's got scriptures on it. There's no power in the stake, but the power is in the Word of God and the prayers of God's people. And all it is is it's a spiritual marker. Okay, so imagine this, right? We're down on the southeast corner, uh, and so I'm looking directly uh, south and into Oregon. Is that right? Yep, Oregon. And I'm d- looking directly left into Idaho. And we're in this place called Field Springs State Park. It was earlier this year. And it's up at altitude. It's just kind of south of Lewiston there. And it's up at altitude, so there's still snow on the ground. So in my mind, I've got this team. There was nine of us, and we're going out there and to pray over the land. And we're going out there to sing praises over the land, just like you've been doing here, except we did it in the, the Field Springs State Park. And then the idea was we were going to, you know, read out the scriptures on the stake and maybe write other ones there and then put the stake in the ground as a spiritual marker because America needs to get God back on his throne again. Amen. So we're up there in this Field Springs State Park, and this snowplow comes up. Literally, it was a, a guy who works on the uh, uh, Field Springs, and he says, uh, he comes up and he says, what are you doing? And I'm standing there, right? And I've got a hammer in one hand, and I've got a stake in the other. I'm kind of going, this doesn't look good. <laughs> okay. And I said to him, I said, brother, I said, we're crying out for the nation. And I said, we're reading scriptures out over the land. And we're praying together and we're singing hymns to God because we need his help. And then I was thinking on my feet and I said, do you want to join us? He goes, okay. Right, so he opens up the door of his snowplow, right? He jumps out and his name is Doug, right? And he's standing there with us in this group of nine. And so we're reading scriptures and, and Doug's reading scriptures as well. And then we're praying. And I said, look, if anybody else wants to pray, and Doug prays too. I think, oh, this guy, you know, I didn't know if he was a believer or not. <laughs> you know, just and and then it's like, you know, we went to, to put the stake in and, and Doug's helping putting the, 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 the spiritual marker in the ground. And then I turned to him and I said, Doug, how can I pray for you? And he just breaks down in front of nine strangers the tears are rolling off his cheeks and he says Bill I just got divorced I just lost my mom six months ago and he's speaking through his sobs you know and I went up and I put my arm around him and all nine of us just prayed about prayed over Doug and I just felt the the father's heart ache for the broken hearted just like he did for the woman at the well and the Lord really spoke to me in that and he says Bill this is what I want the church to do this is what I want the church to do you see God isn't aloof from the pain God created Doug he is so aware of his pain the father is in pain with him When you go through pain, you're not going through it alone. Your Father in heaven knows the pain that you're in because he knows pain. We're going to come and share communion. I'll share a little bit about the Father's uh, broken heart in a minute. But, you know, in my mind, here's the thing. I'm thinking, hey, we're running behind time, and uh, we're we're in this place, and I've got to organize these nine intercessors. No, we were right on God's time. What's more important? putting a plastic stake in the ground or having one of his creation ministered to. 
brothers and sisters. He wants to use us. He wants to use us. There is so much pain and brokenness right now. It's right out the door. It's not even right out the door. It's right in this building. He wants to use us to minister into that. I mentioned that uh, sometimes we, we, we do uh, street outreach around here on a Tuesday night. I was out a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, as part of that, we'll go and hand out a sandwich or uh, a bottle of water or socks or whatever. And we just, you know, we just say to people, how can I pray for you? Hard words. How can I pray for you? And so as I was there, there was a young guy. Uh, I don't know, some of you might hear, might know him. And his name was uh, Justin, 24 years old. And, uh, oh, sorry, I meant to say, uh, you know, Psalm 34 and verse 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let me just say that again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so I'm there and, and I said, uh, I said, Justin, how can I pray for you? 24 years old, and he starts telling me about his relationship problems. He starts breaking down in tears and then he pulls down his wrist and he shows me where he tried to take his life. So me and the folks that I was with, and you know, we laid hands on him and we prayed for him. And then afterwards, and I said, hey man, you know, I've got a daughter, she's 22. This guy's my kid's age, right? And I said, I don't know if this is politically correct, but I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> so I'm hugging this guy, right? He's 24 years old. If he's going to be alive in six months, it'll be a miracle. He's addicted to fentanyl right now. He's injecting. You know, and that's killing folk out there right now. It's killing them. Killing them. It's unbelievable. You know. Here's the thing. It's like you know who the woman at the well is. Now you might find that surprising, but you know who the Samaritan woman is. You know her. You see, it might be that person in your family who's struggling with their sexual identity. It might be that person in your class or at college who's drinking themselves into oblivion because they were abused as a child. It might be that neighbor like us last week who's going through a divorce. You know who she is. She's all around you. And here's the kicker. We have a choice of whether to get involved in the mess or not. It's a choice. I mean, the, the, the pain is there. The brokenness is there, right? It is, and it isn't going to go away. Jesus chose to meet the Samaritan woman at the well. He, Son of God, Prince of Peace... Creator, Alpha and Omega, chose to get involved in the brokenness. And that woman was blessed on account of it. Brothers and sisters, God's heart is aching for the brokenhearted. And he wants to use us to do it. You know, some of you here are just fresh off the streets. You might know literally the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, she might be that person under the bridge. Two weeks ago, I, went, I was praying with a, a young lady called Ashley. And, uh, and I said, how can I pray for you, Ashley? And I happened to look in her handbag, and there's a string of needles in there. And she says, Bill, I just want to be free from drugs. I want to be free from drugs, you know? I could tell from 40 feet away that she was addicted and that she was injecting. She's wafer thin. And again, if she's going to be alive in a few months' time, man, that's going to be a miracle. 
you see the pain is there and the brokenness is there. The challenge is, is what are we doing about it? And you might say, yeah, but you know what, Bill? I'm not, I'm not called to the homeless or, or I'm not called. No, but you, but you are called because you've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And you're called to minister for him. Scripture says that he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve a God. You can serve your family members. You can serve your friends. How can I pray for you? I want to share another one um, as well. And uh, again, the Lord kind of laid it on my heart here. This is Psalm uh, 147, verse 3. The Lord says this. He heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. Again, you see the Father's heart in that. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. And I want to share is that um, one of the things that we do at the prayer center is that we're involved in uh, both the, the, the lummy and also the nooksack. And so we, we pray with them, and we're, you know, we make uh, relationships with them, and uh, it's an honor. Honestly, it's an honor. Um, it's it's difficult because there's a lot of hurt and and white oppression in the past, you know, and uh, uh, and it's it's a very slow work. But I thought, you know, wouldn't it be good if we get the the Lummi believers together, and we got um, so in the prayer center we had um, about thirty uh, uh, Lummi believers. There was five tribes represented, uh, missionaries to those tribes. And there was nothing, I wanted nothing from it other than to worship together, to have communion together, to ask for forgiveness together, and then just go out and pray over their land, right? And so we had this wonderful time of worship and communion together. And then uh, we went down onto the Lummi Reservation just a couple of miles up the road. And we went to five different locations. And like I say, there there was five tribes represented there, missionaries to these tribes, it was just an amazing time. It was totally Holy Spirit-led, you know, trying to get all these people together at one time. Just on a physical sense, wouldn't have happened. But God brought us together. And so we were up at Cherry Point. Does anybody know where Cherry Point is? Yeah. And it kind of looks, as you kind of look down, it looks on to Lummy Island. And I'm there, and uh, there was four of us. There was myself, my wife Sharon. There was Steve, who was a, a Navajo believer. And there was a Lummy lady there. And the same thing, idea was like we had this scripture stake and we, and we asked the, 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 the Lummi believers, hey, look, what scriptures do you want read out over the land? Because we'll write them, you know, and we used it as a spiritual marker. And, and sometimes when we do that, we pour out an oil offering as well. And just, you know, we just pray blessing over the land. We wanted nothing more than to bless. So we're up at Cherry Point, the four of us here. And she, this lady, her name was Denise. And she was born on the Lummi Reservation. And she's now in her 70s. She's been there all her life, right? So we're praying, and I noticed that uh, that Denise isn't praying. So I said, Sister, would you like to pray? And she breaks down in tears, literally. Tears running off her nose. I lost my husband to alcohol. I lost my son to alcohol. My niece is a drug addict. And there was more other, there was other drug addiction. Folks, we went there to anoint the ground with oil. And she anointed the ground with her tears. So we just stopped what we were doing. And we came around her. And we prayed for her. God, his heart is for the broken heart. He feels her pain. He's not aloof. You know, he feels the pain because he created you and he loves you and he's intricately involved in your life. There's nothing too small or too big that you can't bring to your heavenly father because he loves you and he created you. Folks, the thing is here, like, you know, he wants to use us. The woman at the well is an example of what he did there. This is his ministry. In fact, you know, his mission statement was this, Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 2. If you remember when, when Jesus uh, uh, came and he spoke in the synagogue and he, and he takes the, the, the scroll of Isaiah, 
The scroll was basically the, the scriptures, and this is what he reads. This is what he reads. So, um, sorry, Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Look at this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness from the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Let me say something, right? His mission statement hasn't changed. It's still the same. He just wants us to do it. Isn't it an honor and a privilege to be involved in the ministry of the Lord God Almighty? That's what he wants us to do. It's not that we should do it. It's that we get to do it. What a blessing it is to pray with people, to share the love of Christ, the tenderness, the compassion with them, you know. And he wants to use us. I'm just going to pray just now. And then uh, we're going to take uh, communion together in just a minute. But there's two things I, I want to pray. And there, there's a prayer team here after the church. Okay, I'm going to pray just now. And you might be that Samaritan woman this morning. In other words, you might be that person who is utterly broken hearted. And if that's the case, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to minister into you. And I want you to, to come and speak to some of the, the, the prayer team afterwards. You could be that person. You could be here just aching, thinking, man, I just need help, Lord. Are you there, Lord? But the other thing is I'm going to pray is this, that he's going to reveal to us those who are in pain and brokenness right now in our circle. So let's just pray. Oh, Lord, if there's anybody here who's absolutely broken this morning, just want to pray for them, Holy Spirit, just that you would minister into them. And as we think of that, Lord, just thank you so much, Lord Jesus, just for just for your heart. Father, thank you for your heart, for the brokenhearted. And Lord, I just pray that they would know the peace of Christ, that they would know the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would know that there's hope in you. Lord, we just pray for those people right now. Will you, Holy Spirit, will you just minister to them? And Lord, secondly here, as we pray, Holy Spirit, I just ask, will you reveal to us right now who you want us to minister to? Who would you like us to pray over? How can I pray for you? And so just move among us right now. And just as I'm saying that, folks, you know, you might have a name that comes to mind. Or you might have a picture of a person in your family or your workplace. But you know the one. You know who I'm talking about. And if that person has just been brought to your mind, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to go and minister to that brokenhearted person. So who is it? Might be somebody in your work. Could be somebody on the street. And he's asking you to get involved in their mess, to choose to do it. Say, how can I pray for you? So, Lord, this is just a message. But the fruit of this message is whether we're going to be obedient to it. And I pray, Father, that we would be obedient to this word that you've given your church. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing. You know what happens when you show uh, the love and the tenderness of Christ in a non-judgmental way? It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, when you look what happened to the woman here, right? First of all, she uh, she 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 leaves her water jar, right? She completely forgets what she's there to do, 
And she says, goes back into the town and she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Guess what? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And in that last bit there, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She's on fire for Christ. And here's the thing, right? When you've experienced brokenheartedness and you experience the tenderness and the compassion of Christ, you don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to share it all around. And that's exactly what happened. And on account of her doing that, more brokenhearted people came to faith in our town. Jesus stayed there two days. Wouldn't you have wanted to be there for two days? I would. I would I would have loved to have been there to see what he was going to do, <laughs> to see how he was going to minister, to see people released, to see the prisoners set free, to see people healed, because that's what he wants to do. Amen? And he wants to use us. Okay, I mentioned we're going to take communion now. Maybe the, you guys could just play a little background music and um, by the way JJ said to me he says hey Bill if you speak too long there's a trap door here <laughs> I want to share this scripture we're talking about God's uh, aching heart and uh, uh, we're going to put on the screen here Luke 22 and 41 to 44 you see God knows about a broken heart, God the Father. And in this scripture here, the Lord Jesus Christ is at is in Gethsemane and he is crying out to his Father in heaven. And he's saying, Hey, look, can you take this cup of suffering from me? And yet, you know, what we read here, he says he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father. If you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He's in utter anguish. You know, he knew what was coming. He knew. He'd already predicted it. He said to his disciples, the Son of Man must be handed over to the Gentiles. And they're going to flog him. They're going to put him to death. And on the third day, he's going to... He'd already predicted that three times. And here he is. You're not telling me the Father's heart's not brokenhearted here. And the Father's watching his Son, whom he loves on his knees with sweat drops of blood coming off him. The father knows pain, right? He watched his own son go through it. That's actually a medical condition. I want to share just a very quick story with you. You see, my grandfather was in the, in the trenches in World War I. He was uh, uh, part of the Northumberland Fusiliers. And if you know anything about military history, he was involved in the Battle of the Somme. And so in his, his battalion, there was a, a, sorry, in his regiment, there was, he was a second battalion. And so on the day of the Somme, the first battalion goes over the trench and the Germans just mowed them down, right? So the second battalion goes over and they're just climbing over dead bodies. At the end of the day of the psalm, my grandfather was one of about 200 who came out of the regiment of about 1,200. It's a well-known fact, and it's recorded that some of the men who were away to go over the trench in World War I would sweat drops of blood at the thought of going over we're talking about somebody who's in extreme anguish. It only ever happens in, in, in very rare cases of trauma just beyond anything a human being can bear. And that's what the Lord Jesus is going through there. And that's what he's going through for you. Because that's why he came. Because he loves you. 
and to die for the sins of every person represented in this room. So the father's heart was aching for his son. The father's heart aches for the broken heart. He knows about pain. Let me just tell you this morning, God is not aloof from pain. God the father watched his own son there on his knees in that condition. There was no other way. There was no other way. And he gets off his knees and he goes to Calvary for you. For me. Gets off his knees to endure that horrendous flogging. They stripped the skin off his back. He was spat on. He was punched. Scripture says he was hardly recognizable as a human being. And after they flogged him, he walked up the street. He was so exhausted. You see, the thing was, after a Roman flogging, often people died from the flogging. They didn't get to the cross. The flogging was so bad. And we know in Scripture that after he was flogged, he's walking up the street, and he just can't do it anymore. He's on his face on the deck. He can't carry his cross anymore. Because they beat him up so bad. They flogged him so bad. They actually had to get someone else to carry his cross. And he did that for you. He walked that road for you to pay your price for sin. You know, and then when they got there, they put that horrible crown of thorns in him, but digging in, I mean, his face was covered in blood. And then he eventually stumbles his way up there, and the guy's just a mess, right? He's pulp, literally. And then they put these nails through his hands and through his feet, you know. And then they hung him there, and he was sinless, and he didn't deserve it. Didn't deserve any of it. He was innocent. He didn't deserve it. But he went there on account of us, because there was no other way. That he had to pay the price of our sin. He had to ransom us. And so, before you take us this morning, I want to tell you exactly what this means. This cracker represents his body broken for us. His body was broken by that crown of thorns. His body was broken by the whip that literally tore him open. His body was broken by the nails that went through his hands and feet. His body was broken when the nail went through his feet. It was broken by the spear that went through his sight. And this cup represents the blood that he shed for us. So before you take this, this is what you're saying. This is what communion means. That you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you align yourself with him, that he is your Savior and your Lord. And if that's not the case, that's fine. Don't take it. But let's take a time just now. We just want to examine our heart. All right? We're going to examine our heart just now. Just take a moment. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. If there's any, anything you want to confess before the Lord, let's just bring it to Him. Just ask for His forgiveness. says in um, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you 
the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your body. We give you thanks for what you went through on the cross. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, the son whom you love, the son whom you sent to die for our sins. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this body that represents your body broken for us. Lord, we just thank you so much. We love you, Lord. We worship you this morning. That you would do that for the likes of me. That you would get off your knees in Gethsemane after what I've done and where I've been. Because you love me. And what you went through. So we take this this cracker now as as a reminder of what you went through, of the sacrifice that you went through for us. In Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together, folks. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Lord, as we think about your blood, your shed blood for us, your blood that washes us clean, Lord, we thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Father, you're faithful that we can, when we confess our sins that you forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord Jesus, this this cup does that. It represents your blood which washes us clean from sin. As far as east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Oh, Father, we thank you that on account of what Jesus did on the cross, as a, on account of us putting our faith in him as Savior and Lord, that we have access into your presence that we can come into your presence, the curtain is torn in two. Lord, that we can we can come, we can have fellowship with you, we can have a relationship with you. Father, thank you for your tenderness. Thank you for your compassion. Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. Let's take the cup together. You know, we have a phrase in Scotland. Let me just finish off this little passage here. It says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's right that we look back and we mark his sacrifice and we remember what he did for us, but we also know he's coming again. Amen? He is. And we have a, we have a phrase in Scotland, like when we take communion, every time you take communion, it's one time less before the Lord returns. Amen. Amen. Gonna hand over to the worship team here.